The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Follow along on the uh, big Bible up on the screen. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we'll start in verse 18 through 25. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took what place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. Uh, Lord, as we enter into this Advent season, the season where we wait for the story again to tell of a God who came down in the form of a baby. Lord, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, I pray that you speak to us, you open our hearts to what you're doing, uh, and you give us the peace knowing that we're not leaving here by ourselves, but that you are leaving here with us. Father, Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So there's lots of things I love about Christmas, but one of the frustrating things about Christmas for a pastor is it happens every year, right? And so if you're trying to do a sermon series, it's the same story over and over and over. And, and it's a great story, right? I love telling the story, but you don't want to just rehash the same sermon over and over and over again. Mind you, though, some pastors do do this. They literally have like a three-year series that they just go through, and they pull out, you know, sermon from three years ago to the date, and they just read that again. That would bore me. I imagine it would also bore you, right? Last year, though, God gave me a gift for this Christmas. Raylan Pratt, one of our awesome members here, who has taken point on our devotionals for the last three years, came up to me and said, hey, God really has put on my heart to do a devotional series based on Christmas carols. It's something that she'd been working on for years, and she asked if we could use that for this year's series. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have to do any work. This is fantastic. Uh, and so she did a fantastic job with them. It's called A Thrill of Hope. Uh, and these are free on your way out if you want a devotional journey between now and Christmas. And each one reflects on a different Christmas carol. And that's what we're going to be doing with our sermon series. We're going to be looking at some of the big Christmas carols that we grow up with, that's on the radio, that literally is the soundtrack to Christmas. And one of the unique things about carols and about hymns is that they were, back in the old day, back in the original church, one of the primary methods for teaching the faith. When Christianity first started, in fact, up until about 100, 200 years ago, People didn't have Bibles in every home. You certainly couldn't look them up on your phone. And even if you could, it wouldn't matter because the literacy rate was about 1%. So the idea of, oh, I'm going to learn God's story, I'm going to learn from God's word directly from a page or a screen was impossible. And so how did you teach? Well, they would give messages, they would give sermons. 
But we are an an artistic species. We love music. In fact, we learn through music. And so they would use hymns, they would use carols, they would sing songs that taught the story of God. It's not just an emotional way to connect to God, to say thank you to God, but to actually learn the story of who our God was and what our God was doing. And when you look at hymns through that lens, especially when you look at Christmas carols through that lens, you realize that they are deeply biblically based. And there is tons of theology that's pulled directly from Scripture. And today we're going to be looking at my personal favorite Christmas carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We just sang it right before we did the Apostles' Creed. And that carol is pulled directly both from the Gospel reading, Matthew 1, and you shall name him Jesus and he shall be called Emmanuel, the angel talking to Joseph, but it's also pulled from the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah frames historically who the Messiah is going to be. And as you go through the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, verse by verse, it pulls from different sections of Scripture. In fact, some of my favorite sections of Scripture. Starts, though, in Matthew 1. It says, Joseph, son of David, this is the angel talking to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. That name Jesus comes from the Hebrew Joshua. And Joshua literally meant God saves. And so the angel says, you are going to name him Jesus, because he has a very specific purpose. He is going to rescue a very broken world. Starting with individuals, but then individual by individual, fixing this broken world that we all live in. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, and this is specifically the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This idea that God was going to be with his people, that we didn't have to reach up to heaven, that heaven was going to come down here, that our Messiah, our rescuer, our savior, would come to us is the literal story of our Messiah, and it's pulled directly from Isaiah. And so we're going to go through verse by verse, chorus by chorus, and unpack what this carol is trying to teach us. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Advent is the season of waiting, which is rather appropriate in Isaiah because it was a season of waiting, not just 25 days to Christmas, not a year, not even one generation. You see, Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus came, and it was written with a very specific purpose. First, to let people know things were going to get hard. In fact, they were going to get really hard. They were going to go into exile. This comes from Isaiah 5. They have harps and lyres at their banquets, pipes and trembles and wine, but they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord, no respect for the work of his hands. Therefore, my people will go into exile for lack of understanding. Those of high rank will die of hunger, and the common people will be parched with thirst. See, Understanding who Jesus is and why Jesus came only makes sense when you understand the story of the Old Testament. 
The story of the Old Testament is a God who creates things good, mankind who raises their hand and says, actually, I have a better idea. We muck it up, and we muck it up good, right, and proper. Sin comes in. We lose our relationship with God. Our relationship with each other starts to break down. Our relationship with our world starts to break down. And then the rest of the Old Testament is God constantly trying to fix things. He creates a people of himself. He calls them Israel, which is rather ironic, because Israel literally means those who wrestle with God. I don't know about you, but if I were God and I were going to create my own little Joshites running around, I wouldn't want to name them those who are going to wrestle with me, those who are going to argue with me, those who are not going to do what I tell them to do. And yet that's what God calls his people, because that's what we are as people. Each of us, in our own way, wrestle with God. And you see that in the story of the Old Testament. God would save his people. He would fix all the externals. He'd give them the food. He'd give them the houses. He'd give them the jobs. Things would be going great. And then people would say, actually, I have a better idea, and we would muck it all up again. And then things would get hard. And our own worst thinking would lead to some very bad choices. And those choices came with consequences. And the externals would break down again. And then God would come, and he would rescue his people again. And for a while, things would go okay, but then we'd forget God. Our own best thinking would get in the way, and we'd muck it up right proper. Consequences would come, and we would call out to God again. And it's this cycle over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And quite frankly, it's the cycle over and over and over again in my own life. So I wrestle with God. All of us wrestle with God. My wife and I went and did a nice Airbnb in Comfort, Texas. It was great. We had this beautiful plot of land. We had this beautiful home. And we had a plan for Thanksgiving. The plan was we weren't going to do turkey. We were going to do steak. So Tuesday we go to the local butcher. And she gives us this big T-bone. And she seasons it for us. She wraps it for us. She goes, let it marinate for a couple days. This thing is going to be perfect. So my mouth had been salivating about the steak. And the Airbnb came with a grill. We were all planned, we were all set up, but it was an electric grill, and went to go plug it in, and plug it in, and pop. Huh. Maybe it's just this outlet. So then we go to the next outlet, pop. I mean, we literally went around the house, right? Outlet by outlet, just popping all of them. Thankfully, they all had the reset buttons, right? But it quickly became clear we were not going to be grilling steak. And oh my gosh, did I become Israel, those who wrestle with God. I was not in a good mood. I was all kinds of grumpy. I had a plan. I knew what we were going to do, and God had a different plan. It was frustrating. And I acted like a little child. On Thanksgiving. On the day I'm supposed to be thankful about all the gifts God has given me. On the day that we are staying on eight acres in this cool little cabin, and everything's great, and here I am acting out. Not acting like a child of God. Not acting out of joy, but acting out of anger. Because all of us are like that. And when we get into that mode, we all go into our own self-imposed exile. Right? That thinking of Josh, that doesn't bring out the best in me. It doesn't make me like life anymore. It doesn't make my life like me anymore. Nothing good comes out of that. 
And yet we all, in our own ways, go into our own self-imposed exile. And so when we hear these words, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that is both something that has happened in the past, but it's still something that we need to pray today. Because I mourn in lonely exile, my own little pity party, because the grill doesn't work. Until God again re-enters the story. And you remember, oh, it's okay. And I'm still loved, and we're still provided for, and we had quail pepper, uh, poppers, which I didn't even know existed, but they are fantastic, right? And just to let everyone know, this is the, the funny thing at the end of the last service. They're like, did you ever grill the steak? We bought a grill yesterday, so even Thanksgiving's abound, and we ate the steak, and it was great, right? But this is all of our stories. It's not just Israel's stories, because this is the world that we live in. But the chorus of the song goes, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel, which literally means rejoice, rejoice, God with us shall come to thee, O those who wrestle with God. And this is good news. This is gospel. This is a God who says even when you are actively rebelling, even when you are not thankful on Thanksgiving, I'm going to come. I'm going to be with you. Emmanuel, God with us, shall come to you who wrestle with God. It's not just a story that affects the past. It's a story that affects us here and now. Amen. story continues on. O come, O come, Lord of night, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient days did give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. This is in direct reference to how God, Emmanuel, worked in the Old Testament. In Psalms, Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the, cloud, the smoke of furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. I don't know about you, but there are times where I can convince myself if I could just see a physical representation of God, everything would be okay. My faith would be secure. I wouldn't make any bad choices anymore. We tried that in the Old Testament. He literally followed his people around, or they followed him in this giant pillar of fire. So if you can imagine the biggest pillar of fire you've ever seen that doesn't go out, it's like, yep, there's God doing his God thing. And yet, they still wrestled with him. They still doubted him. In the desert, when he was providing them quail and manna, Actually, you know what? We'd rather eat something else. What's on the grill next? Right? They had the physical representation of God, and it still didn't work. God physically took care of all the externals, and it still didn't work. Because at the end of the day, the root problem in humanity, the root problem that we see on the news or on social media or in our families, is not an external problem. All those things are fruit of an internal problem. And so while the Old Testament focuses on God working on the externals, this next chapter, this next testament, this next Emmanuel, he's going to focus on the internals. And through working through that, his good news is going to come and his peace is going to come. And that's where the story continues on. O come thou rod of Jesse free. Thine own from Satan's tyranny. From the depths of hell thy people save. And give them victory o'er the grave. 
See, in Isaiah, there was a promise that the Messiah would come through the line of Jesse, who was the father of David, the great king. And there was a promise that this Messiah was going to start to fix things. That this Messiah would actually start to redeem and save a broken world. All those people who wrestle with God. From the book of Isaiah, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From the roots of a branch will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This isn't a terror. He's not terrified that God's going to smite him. This word is the same word you would use for respect. To have healthy respect for the being that could be a pillar of fire. But to have a relationship with him. And he will judge not by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. This Messiah is going to come, and he's not going to look the same way the world looks. He's not going to hear the same way the rest of the world hears. He's going to defend those who don't have a defender. He's going to advocate for those who don't have an advocate. He's going to care for the needy and the poor, and he's going to be a king of justice. That's the Messiah that we worship. That's the plan that God is striving for. And O come, desire of nations bind in the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad division cease, and be thyself our king of peace. Christmas is a weird season, right? The lights, the music, the sounds, it's beautiful. Hallmark is putting out a movie every 15 minutes to give us that dose of, you know, artificial joy and artificial feelings and mojo. Right? It, it's all working. And there's a lot of goodness. But it's almost like all that goodness reflects a shadow or casts a shadow where people who aren't with us anymore. It just hits us a little bit more acutely. Or those divisions in our families those people we haven't talked to, just strikes us a little bit more acutely. The stuff we see on the news, the darkness we just see in the daily world, all of it hits. Christmas is, in the very ways, the best of times and often the worst of times all rolled into one emotional quagmire. What we see in scripture, what we see in the song, is that that God specializes, that Messiah specializes in that quagmire. Again, from Isaiah, for us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called a wonderful counselor. I don't know about you, but my family needs a wonderful counselor. right? One who specializes in families that put the fun in dysfunctional. Thankfully, we have one. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The promises of the Messiah, the promises of Christmas, that we have a Prince of Peace that can finally put the warring to end. That we don't have to pick up the weapons and the knives that we can stab each other in the back with. 
which is a different option. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. For he will reign on David's throne over all his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. For the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This was always the plan. Again, God could fix the externals over and over and over again. But until he started working on the heart, until he could purify that and clean that, then the externals would just break again. So he had a new plan. He said, I'm going to work personally, individually, Emmanuel, God with us, with individuals who wrestle with God, and I'm going to create in them a clean heart. I'm going to renew in them a new spirit. A spirit that can understand how to follow God. And so the internals start to change and affect the externals. And so we don't celebrate Christmas just as, oh, my personal Savior came down. We celebrate Christmas as, no, Emmanuel came down, rescued me, advocates for me, dies for me, raises back to life for me, that I may go and take Emmanuel with me into my community that I may go and be the hands and feet of God with us in my school when someone is feeling outcast or alone. That I can be Emmanuel, God with us, when I'm at work and a co-worker is just being a little snot. And I can, I can act differently. I don't got to take out the dagger. I can be the presence of the Prince of Peace. When we're with our families, around a dinner table, when there are opportunities to serve with Axe Christmas trees. We have Emmanuel God with us. And so we truly rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to you, O Israel, you who wrestle with God. We're going to be going to a time of confession and of absolution. Right? You want Emmanuel, you want God with us. Communion, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. Shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. A new way to connect to God, a new way to connect to each other, and a new way we get to leave and connect to the world. That is truly something to rejoice over. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you in confession that all too often we wrestle with you. Where things don't go the exact way we expect them to. And out of bitterness, we begrudge you, we begrudge others, we act out, and we end up exiled. We end up lonely and mourning in our own choices. Or, Father, choices of others have left us exiled. And their hurt is pain that we carry. Father, Lord, we come before you, Emmanuel, asking to again forgive us, ransom us. But then, Lord, grant us that peace of knowing we are forgiven, we are loved, and we get to be agents of your forgiveness and love to all you bring into our lives. Say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.